It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome to another edition of Football Social Daily. It's Thursday, it's an international break, and that usually means there's not a lot to talk about. But, as you know, because you've definitely coming back here for the millionth time we're professionals and we never fail to find some fat to chew from the premier league so we're still cracking on top flight clubs are pressuring the government to allow fans back into stadiums and watch matches but is it too soon the north of england shut in pubs and restaurants and everything else we'll be talking about that soon plus we'll be talking england as they take on wales tonight in, in an international friendly does anyone care anymore i'm not really sure is it even a rivalry, is it one-sided, is it Wills hitting England and England not caring? Um, and to do that, we've got Jim and Ant on the line. So, hello, Jim, how are we doing today? I'm all right, Marley. How about yourself? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Hosting for once, which is rule reversal, but um, just I know. trying to learn off the idiots that usually host this thing and, you know, take all their bad habits and put them into my own little style, but... I've got some notes for your intro if you'd like them now. Or should we do it after the podcast? Uh, you can send them over to I don't give a toss at hotmail.co.uk if you like. Um, but Ant's laughing. Um, so that's a good thing. Ant, how are we doing? You all right? I'm, I'm, I'm not very professional today, I'll have to admit. I forgot my wallet, my headphones, and that I was even doing this show. So I'm currently doing it from a supermarket car park. All right. <laughs> what, what supermarket? Um, it's uh, one that has the power to lower prices, apparently. Okay. Um, are we allowed to say, will they sponsor us? It gives us an idea of where you are and you're, you're not current financial status, I guess. <laughs> Which, uh, you're not a Waitrose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of mid-range. I've kind of gone for like your, your kind of Burnley of supermarkets. <laughs> I'll let you work out which one that is. Bad. What, is there just Sean Dyche at the checkout launching long balls up towards Chris Wood in the, uh, in the bread aisle or something like that? Launching melons across the aisle. <laughs> 
Oh, right. So basically, if you listen to this podcast now, Ant is just in the whoops aisle scrambling around for bargains like Burnley were in the last minutes of the transfer window on Monday night. But we're going to bring it back in another side that is struggling in the Premier League as well. Um, we'll be talking about later as West Brom fan Alex Newton from the Boincast joins us on our Floodlight Focus section to talk all things West Brom. But first, we're going to talk about something which has been going on all week. Um, and we're seeing it on social media and if, you know Facebook, Twitter and, and clubs' websites and things like that. Basically now, clubs are all throwing their weight behind um, trying to get fans back in stadiums and putting pressure on the government to relax the rules on no fans allowing um, being allowed back into stadiums. What I'm thinking about this, guys, is 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 this the right time to push... Um, to push this kind of thing is it the right decision because we all know that clubs are losing money however I should say for anyone who's listening to this who's not in uh, England or the UK and isn't up to speed on our our sort of politics basically the whole north of England from Monday is going to be um, the, the pubs and restaurants are going to be shut again as we go into a, a kind of second lockdown because the rate of infection is so high so to have fans back in stadiums surely that's a that's a massive wrong goal isn't it Jim yeah it's completely the wrong time in my opinion and I mean it is it's the right decision to get fans back into football stadiums from the point of view of the sport not just because football is not football without fans it just doesn't feel the same the games don't seem to be the same without fans and the financial pressures that are on the clubs a growing number of clubs who are going to struggle to get through the next few weeks and months of this pandemic so On a footballing basis, on a purely sporting basis, it needs to happen. But as Nicola Sturgeon said in a Scottish speech yesterday when talking about how Scotland's going to react to the growing infection rates for the pandemic, it isn't a one-dimensional argument. There are other things to consider here. And people's lives have to be absolutely at top of that list when we're talking about bringing fans back to football stadiums. And right now it doesn't feel safe to do it. For me, the conversation shouldn't be even about how we bring fans back at the moment because it shouldn't be on the agenda. Getting groups of large groups of people together in a public space shouldn't be something we're even considering right now when we're still being told we can't gather with our family in our houses. But there also needs to be, the flip side of this needs to be the right level of support needs to be there in order to ensure football clubs are kept afloat in some way. And whether that is a trickle down from the Premier League, that some of their finances and majority of Premier League clubs aren't going to come out of this pandemic in huge financial difficulty, potentially with the exception of one or two. So the Premier League is still a bloated cow in terms of finances. There is money there that could trickle down to the lower leagues and government support as well for the lower league clubs that are going to struggle through this pandemic in the same way that the government is supporting other businesses in certain ways. So there needs to be some support. There needs to be the issues that are created by no fans being in the stadiums needs to be addressed in some way. But if we're just talking about personal enjoyment and the fact that people want to go to football and the fact that football feels better with fans in the stadium, it's a nonsensical argument to happen at the moment because safety has to be paramount. Yeah, it does seem um, like safety is kind of being looked over in this in this situation, doesn't it, Ant? I think there's been a lot of, um, a lot of 
solutions sort of mooted and we see the Bundesliga um, Dortmund allowed 11,500 fans back into their stadium uh, at the weekend but what you've got to remember is Germany have the 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 rate of infection and the whole testing situation down you know as perfectly as you could possibly sort of get it in in the current times and and England doesn't is that something that do we have to look, just look at it and say well you know, we'd love we'd love to get fans back in the stadium, but it's not the right time to be talking about this as as people lose their lives every day. I think the the actual thing is because I know I know a lot of the football clubs have done a lot of work on this in terms of getting preparation for it. And the one question that comes up a lot is why am I allowed to go into a pub where there are other people, and I'm indoors, and yet I can't go to a football stadium, which for most of it, I'm going to be outdoors. And that's, and obviously, you know, with a reduced capacity, you can be spread out. And I, I know that the clubs across the board from the Premier League all the way down to the lower tier, have done a lot of work on this in terms of getting preparation for it. And obviously that gate revenue is the lifeblood, especially of the lower leagues. Um, I think the problem is, is not actually being in the stadium. I think actually being in the stadium is fine. I think a lot of the problem that, that maybe they're looking at is the experience of outside the stadium. And we've all seen that, that, that milling about of hundreds and thousands of people all in close proximity. And it's very difficult to control. Toilets and food places and those little pinch points within the stadium where social contact is so difficult to avoid. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the, But then that that's part of it, isn't it? That's part of the whole business and all the businesses that come around it. Um, I think, I mean, the, the, the other thing that's, that's very obvious for me and doesn't seem to be being talked about is remember back in, in March, you know, we ground everything to the halt, to a halt in the Premier League based on two positive tests. Now, at the time, we didn't really know what was going on and, and we had no preparation and no contingency for this. But uh, it was Mikel Arteta and another player um, and that, that led us to lock everything down. Uh, we had rigorous testing in the Premier League for all the players. We had bubbles in place. Um, we had very few positives, a couple of false, false positives throughout that whole project restart. Yet now, we're only a couple of weeks in um, to the new season. And already, you know, we've had, you know, I'm pretty sure like half the squads in the Premier League have had at least one player test positive. So, you know, we're, we're all at a stage where that kind of security of the playing staff themselves is we can't guarantee that so when we expand it it's it's just uncontrollable and so I, I, I think that's the, the the issue there is like how do you control an infection rate or limit or even stop an infection rate amongst the fans when we can't even do it amongst the squads yeah you, you mentioned a, a good point there I think with um Especially, you know, when we think back to March, Arteta tested positive after I think it was Arsenal played Olympiacos or something like that, wasn't it? In the in the Champions League um, or the Europa League, and they all of a sudden it spread like wildfire, didn't it? And now we see, you know, David Moyes testing positive, for example, and just simply going home and letting Alan Irvine on the on the touchline. But Jim, how long can we go on like this? How long do we do we give it? And do you see? the English Premier League going forward. Do you see this season completely sort of going ahead as normal? Because I, I personally think there'll be another a, another break. 
Um, it's very difficult to judge, isn't it? And in terms of the players on the pitch, there seems to be a real desire to complete the season. I don't think, unless something incredibly drastic happens, there will be a break in the season. I think we could well see a team eventually forfeiting a game because they can't put a full team out. And we saw this in uh, Premiership Rugby over the last 24 hours. Sale Sharks forfeited their final game of the season, which could have seen them gain a playoff place. So they've had to forfeit that and they've missed out on that because they didn't have enough squad members to play the game because they were self-isolating with COVID. So I think we might see that situation, but I doubt very much at this stage the Premier League could go, right, we're cancelling or we're pausing the season because... Fingers crossed, we are potentially getting through this slowly and surely, uh, but it's not a time to take unnecessary risks, I think. it's The clubs have, need to take the precautions with the players, they need to be making sure individuals who do test positive, and they're under no obligation to reveal when players test positive so we'll never know the full extent of that but when they do test positive making sure their contact with other people in the playing staff and the wider staff is is limited Uh, that is the priority it's getting the season finished and I think the fans getting back into stadiums is very much secondary and I don't think we'll see it this season I don't think we'll see it till the 21-22 season yeah, you mentioned that uh, the sale thing, a similar thing happened in football uh, in Italy um, at the weekend. I think it was Sunday night. Napoli travelled or were, were meant to travel to Turin to play Juventus. Um, and the Naples local authorities said, no, you're not travelling because the rate of infection is too much, uh, too high here. And we don't want you spreading it to the north of Italy where it's a lot more populated. Um, and Serie A just didn't postpone the game. So Juventus had to arrive to the ground, warm up, uh, line up, get the kit on and everything like that. Um, and then I think I think they actually take, took to the pitch and um, basically ensured that Napoli weren't there and then they got a 3-0 forfeit win for that. So, And, and that would be an absolute disaster if that happened in the Premier League, wouldn't it? Oh, good. Yeah, and the thing is, there is precedent for this as well because this has happened... Um... I think it was in the late 70s, early 80s, this happened in the World Cup game. Um, and it was because I think there was, I can't remember the teams involved, but I'm pretty sure there was a political issue between them, so one didn't turn up. But they went through this farce where they um, took to the pitch and under the FIFA regulations, you still have to kick off. And as soon as you kick off, then it's, mm. then it's a, or you score one goal, something like that, and it's awarded. Um, and, do, you know, we, we've seen the inflexibility of footballing authorities with things as simple, simple, supposedly simple, as the handball rule. Um, and I think it's just that, you know, when, when these rules are put in place, we don't envisage um, things like this happening, whether it's VAR for handball or things like the coronavirus affecting teams. And um, it's affected uh, Spurs in a positive way with Leighton Orient in the Caribou Cup because they had that same thing. And and this this creates another problem as well, which I, I know that the Leighton Orient uh, manager and chairman were talking about this, is they paid for the tests out of their own pocket so that they could try and ensure that they would have a full team available and that they wouldn't affect uh, Spurs. Um, and then because of the, the fixture congestion, there was no possibility for rearranging that game. 
and you know the, the the manager did come out and say you know this is a kind of incentive for us to not test because of the the financial loss the impact of that to um uh, to Leighton Orient themselves was really bad and so it's just creating the, these rules are creating a situation where it's just not helping you know it, it's the, the inflexibility with it is is an issue and it's I almost want to say uh, systemic to the institutions of football, but this is the time where we need to come together and go, look, we're, we're in a situation uh, that's affecting everyone. I'd be very interested to know like at what stage and how they resolve this when you had the, the, the league suspended during wars, wartime, um, because obviously that was the thing, but you were talking like 70, 80 years, we're going back towards that. So it's not as, the, the commercial product that it was. I think that this is the, the conflict that we have now is that you still have players who are on massive wages and have relatively short careers. And, you know, we're talking about not just a six-month period that we've been through, but two or three years before um, this thing is under control to an extent where we can go back to what people keep saying as a level of normality. But that's two or three years for a, a 23-year-old in the Premier League, that's the prime of your life. And that, you know, so th- they don't want to be just sat around kicking their heels. Um, we don't want to be sat around waiting for football to happen, watching it with sound effects on the TV. Um, and the Premier League and all the sponsors certainly don't want that as well. But it, it's it's something that, we, we, we you know, we, we can't put any pressure on the virus to change what it's doing the virus is just going to do what it's doing we we need to find a way around it well one thing we can all agree on is that we're definitely sick of the fake pumped in crowd noise on match of the day because they've got so they've got so long to edit it on match of the day and it still sounds absolutely pathetic it sounds like it's been cut in half every every saturday after and you've got a like a cheer and then someone's cut it off because it didn't go in <laughs> like a shot didn't go in it's like blooming hell like this this is gone far beyond uh, the the sort of um, charade for me but I think they should just change it I think they should just go you've got the technology you've got the ability now just throwing crazy stuff you know <laughs> just like you know motorways cars Formula One sound effects you know just something stupid like that space like sound effects from Star Wars in a lightsaber battle forget forget the illness forget the life-threatening disease forget the financial implications what marley's really upset around (laughs) is the wrong sound effect it's really doing me in but the best thing is the live thing the live uh streams and you can hear managers shouting um usually obscenities at the players um and you can hear them you know screaming sean deitch is the worst for it by by some distance screaming woody you know, get in position and what you're doing that for and where you're going and all this. It's brilliant, that. But I like that. I like long that. may that continue, even when crowds come back. I think we should have managers mic'd up and fined for every time they they, <laughs> uh, they shout an obscenity at the player. But we'll leave it for there for the, uh, for the depressing when's football going to return to normal chat. And we'll take a quick break on Football Social Daily. We're back after this. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. We're talking uh, diseases, pandemics. Is football ever going to return? And when will Sean Dyche stop swearing? 
uh, on the current podcast. But we're going to move on. We're going to move on to international football, even though we're, we are Premier League focused, but all Premier League players are in the England and Wales teams. So we're going to talk about that game tonight. I'll be honest, lads, I completely forgot until Tuesday that England were playing three games instead of two in this uh, international window. And it's England versus Wales at uh, at Wembley tonight. And I've I've been reading about Ben Davis this uh, this morning about him saying that it's the usual cliched thing of you know uh, Wales versus England. Oh, it can never be a derby. It can never be a friendly. It's always a it's always a rivalry. It's always a derby. A derby. Is it? He's, he even said the words. I guess the word friendly goes out the window, which I'm pretty sure everybody has ever said in about any derby at any level ever. But is is it a derby? England Wales? Is it something we we care about? Do we? Is is it not England versus Scotland the main derby? I thought it was. I think any of the home nations, there's a little bit of added interest, and it harks back to the old, um, what was it called, the when, when home nations league, when there were regular internationals between England, Wales, Republic of Ireland, etc., etc. So I think it does add a little bit of extra interest to it. I can see the relevance of having this game. I can see why England have gone ahead with it because the next competitive opponents in a game that matters is Belgium in a few days and Belgium are as we've said before one of the best teams in world football at the moment so you want a little bit of a rehearsal before going into that game that said we are in the middle of one of the most chocker seasons there has ever been in football and the intensity of the games right the way through until the season ends is just dizzying. I don't really understand why they've gone ahead with a friendly at this stage that probably could have just been postponed and given the players that little bit extra rest, that little bit extra time to recover between games, give them a full week off between the Premier League's fixtures and the international competitive game. So I don't really know why it's happening, but if it is going to happen, I think it's... I quite like the fact that it is England versus Wales, and I'll certainly be more interested in that than I would be in England versus Bosnia and Herzegovina or whatever the alternative. I love how you picked the hardest uh, country to pronounce there as your as your go-to example, Jim. <laughs> Just showing off. <laughs> Do you want the population and capital? Uh, if you've got it, if you've got it, I don't. <laughs> uh, and we've mentioned it's a friendly. Um, Jose Mourinho's already said to Gareth Southgate in a very nice, uh, pragmatic way, if you play Harry Kane, I'll break your legs. Um, <laughs> is that, is is it something, do we need to see fresh faces in, in this in this chance? I'm thinking Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I'm thinking Dean Henderson, Reese James, Connor Cody, possibly people like that. Oh, well, I mean, it's absolutely prime for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, isn't it? Because, you know, two hat-tricks already this early on in the season. We saw flashes of it under Duncan Ferguson before Ancelotti took over. Uh, Ancelotti's renowned for just working with what he's got rather than spending lots and lots of money and changing the squad. And he's really blossomed. And so with Mourinho saying that about Kane, um, it's odds on that Calvert-Lewin's going to start and it's going to be a nil-nil board draw. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the the one thing about that interview you were talking about, about saying about, you know, this, the word friendly goes out the window. 
Like, what is this obsession with windows in football? Is this the same window as the transfer window? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, that, that's closed now. You can't put something out the window and it's closed. Yeah, it's, it's, like it's already window. slammed shut that one, Andy. <laughs> like, you know, what, why can't we just... We don't have to jukes of hazard it. Why can't we just use the door? We're civilised people here. Um, and uh, also, uh, just generally, on a general point, I thought with the whole Nations League thing, we'd got rid of friendlies. Like, I, I just... I, I'm so confused by this. Um, but in answer to to what Jim was saying there, I think sadly that the, the the reason why this is going ahead is because the FA still need to make money. You know, they still need to put to fulfil their obligations and contracts with the TV. Obviously, they'd much rather have ninety thousand people um, buying tickets and turning up and everything else that comes with it. But um, yeah, I I think sadly it's just going to be. Everyone's just trying to get it in while they can. There will be changes in today's squad, and I think that will be interesting, as you say, Marley. Players are going to be given chances, not least because there will be players rested like Harry Kane, but we know Tammy Abraham, Ben Chilwell, Jane Sancho, they're all unavailable because of breaking COVID rules and them in self-isolation. There's some doubt as to whether they'll even be available for the Belgium fixture. But it also looks like it could be a chance for Dean Henderson to play in goal and potentially displace Jordan Pickford. So that'll be an interesting thing to see how he gets on and whether he is still encouraged to play out for the back. Cause we've talked lots about Jordan Pickford being picked for England because of his ability to be that ball playing goalkeeper. So if Henderson can fill that role, it's very difficult to see Pickford getting that number one Jersey back. Also, it looks like Jack Grealish is going to get a chance in this starting lineup today as well. So I think there is some interesting stories to be, looked at within the game and certainly in terms of the selection from Gareth Southgate. So it, it, it does elevate it above the normal friendly, I think. I like uh, I like the point Ant made there of uh, the Nations League was meant to replace friendlies, but then we've gotten to a international break and we thought, what better way to prepare for, the, for a Nations League game than to have a friendly. <laughs> it's almost like, for God's sake, lads, we've, we've been trying, you've been mourning for years you know, you wait for probably they're going, you've been mourning for years about, oh, you don't want friendlies. And then we, we get this, we give you no friendlies and you arrange friendlies as more. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. When you, I've never thought about it like that. But yeah, maybe it's, uh, it's, it's all stupid football. Football's stupid, isn't it, lads? Come on. <laughs> um, anyway, right, we'll, uh, we're going to leave it there for, for that. And uh, we'll see what England can do tonight. It should be a fresh-faced England lineup with Grealish, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. We'll see how, if they can carry their Premier League form into the international uh, fixture, which I'm sure you'll all be on the edge of your seat watching because everybody knows that England versus Wales is clearly the supreme number one rivalry in international football. Um, what do you mean it's Germany versus Argentina? No, it's not. No, stop it, it's not. Um, but yeah, we're going to leave it there and we'll be back after the break where Niall has been catching up with a West Brom fan on the latest edition of our Floodlight Focus feature. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk To hear the latest Premier League news for your team, just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Uh, If you've been listening to any of the previous, I think we're on number 18 now, um, editions of the podcast, you'll know that we have been focusing on a new Premier League club every day of the podcast. And today it's the turn of West Brom, who haven't made the best start to life back in the Premier League, but almost beat Chelsea that time. I'm sure they'll be dining out on that for a little while. 
uh, in future. And Niall has been catching up with uh, West Brom fan Alex Newton uh, from the Boeing cast. And here's what he had to say about his beloved baggies. Joining us to talk all about the baggies, we've got Alex Newton, who's the founder of the Boeing cast. And he's also a writer for The Express and Star. Hi, Alex. How are you doing, mate? I'm really good. Thanks, Noel. Yourself? Yeah, very good. Very good. Now, West Bromwich Albion, their start to the season, uh, I think a few people perhaps even before the season kicked off, were really tipping the baggies to go back down again. The start to the season hasn't been ideal, but you do have some points on the board, which is always a benefit. Uh, were there always concerns amongst West Brom supporters that, that getting a good start was going to be key? Yeah, definitely. When you go back up to the Premier League, you know, Albion have done it more than anyone it's important to start well but we have some really tricky fixtures so then it becomes more about the performances and having something to build off and I think we have put that in place obviously the most recent result against Southampton was probably the poorest but mm. you know we've got to the first international break now and you know at least we're not in the uh, bottom three and we're only one place below Man United which uh, <laughs> we'd have probably taken that so uh, yeah you took a 3-0 lead against Chelsea, which was just awesome from a West Brom perspective. But unfortunately, they pegged you back last minute to bring it back to 3-3. I mean, does that give you hope as a as a West Brom fan that, you know, there is plenty to come from this side this season? Yeah, definitely. I'd rather have the problem of conceding too many goals than not being able to score them. I think you look at the likes of Sheffield United and Fulham who have been struggling for goals. It's such a hard problem to fix. I think it's a little bit easier mm to um, stop the goals going in and, you know, on another day, Chelsea don't peg us back and you have a result like that against Chelsea and it's a fantastic result. But, um, yeah, I think our attacking players shot quite a few people. I think there's this tag to West Brom of, you know, the Pulis and Pardew sides, quite pragmatic group on football. And I think, you know, we're upsetting a few people with the uh, the way we're playing and this more attacking brand that we've, deployed under Slaven Bilic. In Slaven Bilic, you've got a manager who has brought you back up to the Premier League. There seems to be plenty of faith from supporters and the board in Bilic as the manager to kind of move West Brom forward. Yeah, definitely. You know, he's a Premier League experienced manager, managed at international level as well. You need somebody, no nonsense, I feel, when you get into the Premier League that's going to say how it is, isn't afraid to ruffle a few feathers. That's both with the players and with the board. He strikes me as Somebody who, if he didn't get his own way, would just kind of pack his bags and walk away without any notice. But, um, yeah, I think he's someone who gets the club, gets what it means. He took on the challenge of the championship when he had offers from pretty much all around the world. So, um, yeah, I think Albion fans are more than happy with Village, And I don't think there's too many other managers that would even be available now that they'd uh, take over him. You mentioned a little bit earlier on about how, you know, West Brom have kind of been between the Championship and Premier League a few times. Does it get annoying as a West Brom fan when people are like, oh, West Brom, you know, the classic yo-yo club? Because before you got relegated last time, you had a decent stint in the Premier League, something like eight seasons or so. Yeah, so you go eight seasons, we just never kicked on and, you know, we brought in Tony Pulis, which we needed at the time. And then we got into a weird scenario where we got rid of Tony Pulis and the perfect person to have brought in at that time would have been Tony Pulis. So that <laughs> kind of bounced to keep us in the league. But um, yeah, we just kind of fizzled out the investment. But yeah, that yo-yo club, it's quite mid-2000s. West Brom and, you know, hopefully we don't end up being that yo-yo club again. But it took us two seasons down in the championship and people know how hard it is to get out of that league. So 
yeah, I wouldn't mind another uh, eight or nine years in the Premier League again. Yeah, I mean, is that the kind of key for this season? It is very much just keep yourself up in the Premier League and solidify and then build on from there? Yeah, definitely. You know, any promoted club, goal one has to be stay in the league. Um, I think most Albion fans would happily take 17th on the final day and look just to get three teams worse because then you can look to build in that second season. You get that revenue coming in again more regularly so uh yeah 17th I'd be more than happy with I mean you mentioned about the kind of the last time you were in the Premier League about how maybe the investment dried up and the signings weren't quite right for West Bromwich Albion what about the transfer window you've just had some reasonable signings from a West Brom perspective and bringing players back uh on second loan spells and thinking of uh Kravinovic as, as a good example of that I mean what's the kind of your take on on the baggies transfer window yeah it's a brave strategy you know they've kept the core squad, which I like doing, I think, you know, as we recall, kind of a week before the official deadline, um, we still need a couple more players. We certainly need a goal scorer. We're so thin on the ground mm. up front. But, um, yeah, I like the fact that we kept the squad together. That can, I think it's shown in the games, especially in the Chelsea game when we went and scored three goals, that this squad has played with each other, getting Pereira on a permanent deal, Dean Garner on a permanent deal, um, Callum yeah. Robinson coming back as well. Keeping that attacking kind of quartet with Kravinovic as well will certainly help us throughout the season, but we still need the kind of one or two more players and a natural goal scorer as well. Romain Sawyers is a good player. I think from people looking outside uh, at West Bromwich Albion, they'll see Sawyers and they'll see what he's done in the Championship as well and thought, you know, he's a very, very good player. Are there any concerns that perhaps there might be some other clubs sniffing around him or do you think he's very much going to be at West Brom after that, as you mentioned, 16th of October domestic deadline? Yeah, I think he'll, you know, he's a West Brom boy. He was in the academy, obviously got released when employed his trade down at Warsaw and then Brentford where he really impressed and kind of he described it as coming back home. So I think he'll be happy to stay at West Brom and, you know, it's a great opportunity for players like that that, you know, got released as kids at Premier League clubs and they've kind of had to fight their way back up the league. It's a fantastic opportunity for these players to ploy their trade in the top flight and hopefully that can make a good impression over the season. Now, West Midlands football is in pretty strong footing at the moment. You look at West Brom in the Premier League, Wolverhampton Wanderers in the Premier League, Aston Villa in the Premier League. Does that add for a little bit of extra banter in the WhatsApp groups <laughs> and chats between your mates, That the fact that three big West Midlands clubs are all in the Premier League again? Yeah, definitely. And I think as much as you, know, you give stick to your friends, I think all of them actually wants to see the West Midlands clubs do well and be in the top league playing each other. You know, we haven't played Wolves for nearly nine ten seasons now so it'll be great to play them again um yeah it's nice that it's not all about the kind of london and manchester clubs for once you know it's nice to have that representation there obviously birmingham are stuck in the championship but uh <laughs> yeah it's um it's nice and uh, you know you do look forward to the uh the derby days it's always something to look forward to, isn't it? Like when the fixture list came out at the start of the season, I'm sure Baggies fans would have been looking at certain fixtures and Wolves 100% would have been one of them. Yeah, definitely. You know, the last time we played Wolves, we beat them 5-1 at Molyneux. So it doesn't get much better than that. I don't think it will be the same result this season. But yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a proper feisty old school, you know, black country derby. There's no kind of provider or media around it you know people don't build it up as a super sunday or anything like that it's you know a kind of a traditional saturday three o'clock derby gritty game but um yeah they're the games 
you look forward to as much as playing, you know, your Liverpool's and Man City's, Man United's. You look forward as much to the derby games in the top flight as well, just because they mean so much. Well, I'm a Portsmouth fan, Alex. So I remember <laughs> the great escapes uh, that both of our sides did a good few years ago. Something that I always remember about West Brom is you seem to be quite good at keeping hold of momentum. Do you feel that these players have got it in them to when the going gets tough to really kind of come to the fore and deliver for their club? Yeah, you'd like to think so. There's a lot of players that have been there for a while now and I touched on the likes of Sawyers. There's also Kyle Edwards, Sam Field. They're academy players now come in into the first team squad and playing regularly for, you know, their club in the Premier League. So you'd like to think that they've got that fight and, you know, it's the biggest league in the world. What more of a chance do they need to prove themselves? But, um, yeah, mm. riding that momentum will be key. I think the fans not being there is a massive miss for promoted clubs just because, yeah. you know, the mood around the ground obviously so high. But, um yeah, look, we're under no illusions. It's going to be a long, tough season, but, you know, you'd like to think they've got the fight in them to stay off. Best of luck to West Bromwich Albion, Alex. Where can any Baggies fans that are listening and anyone else, that, for that matter, who's interested in West Brom, find the podcast that you do, The Boyncast? Yeah, so uh, with The Boyncast myself, my friend Josh, have run that for four seasons now. You can find us on Twitter at The Boyncast, um, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Great to chat to you, Alex. All the best for the season, mate. No worries. Thank you, mate. Right, so that's what Alex thinks of his beloved baggies and we'll see if they can survive the drop this season. But that's all for today's Football Social Daily. So I'd like to say thank you to Ant McGinley from an unnamed supermarket's whoopsile slash car park slash dry cleaning <laughs> section. Thank you. And thank you to Jim who's just got nothing better to do and just sits around <laughs> doing podcasts all day. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Be back tomorrow with another Football Social Daily. Join us then. Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Find us on Instagram at Sports Social Official. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.